Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking JR's pick, It's Always Fair Weather, from 1955, directed by Stanley Donan and Gene Kelly, co-directed. Uh, a musical, because that's what JR wanted, so that's what we're doing. It's a... And, uh, yep. It's MGM's giant and joyous musical. Gigantic right. and joyous musical. Their gigantic and joyous uh, failure of a musical. <laughs> <laughs> I just read some some uh, trivia about it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're also going to talk about other things we watched. And uh, might get into those uh, that can lineup a little bit, eh? What do you guys think about sure. that? The can lineup? I'm into Kelly it. Kelly Reichert new I film? I love a good can yeah, it's a, this is. I will say this is a better one than I feel like they've had in a while. I mean, I don't know if it's better, but I've heard of almost every director. Yeah, mm. yeah it's more intriguing. Not that I mean the movies might all suck. Who knows? But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, new Cronenberg, yeah. new Reichert, new Park Chan Wook, new Claire Denis, stacked. Arnaud Desplechon, James Gray. Armageddon time is going to be playing there, which I know nothing about, but I'm in. Koreeda Hirohazu. Sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> great. I don't, I've never heard of him. Ruben Oslin, the guy who did uh, Force Majeure. I hate Force And The Square. Majeure. I never saw The Square. Didn't stand Force Majeure. I wonder, like, how many episodes oh, sorry. of. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder how many episodes of Irma Vep they're going to be showing. Because, like, oh, Olivier uh, Asaias, As- uh-huh. uh, he's apparently there on that well, list. Well, it says they're going to show his film, Irma Vep. I thought it said he was, was going to do, like, he was working on a TV show version of it, and I thought that was what it was going to be doing. Uh, well, it does say, it does say can, it's under the can premiere section, so maybe it is, like, the, the pilot the of his TV show. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I bet it is the pilot. Why they would bring back a movie from like '96? Let's see. Um, oh, we got we forgot to mention Michelle has has an avicious. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah, because he forgot. just you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chair hates that guy. He hates <laughs> I mean, the artist. I don't like it, and I don't like. The artist is solid. What's what's your problem? You didn't like it's, that. I mean, it's uh, like too solid. It's like it's so it's, solid it's, as it's coming out your rear that it just like really hurts. You know. Did you? You didn't like the um the good the Godard film he did Godard Mon Amour. I don't. I don't even know if I saw that. Um, I liked his uh, like James Bond spoofs or yeah the I, OSS one hundred seventeen. Yeah. Another spoofing like a French crime thing, but. I don't freaking know that. Uh, Ethan Hawke, or not, not Ethan Hawke, Ethan Cohen has a documentary <clears throat> about Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's oh, why yeah. I, never, I didn't hear anything about that. Oh, and uh, New George Miller? Elvis? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, New George Miller Top and Gun New Maverick documentary. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Quentin, Look, some of De, these, uh, Quentin Depew's got something there. I'm sure that's going to be yeah. shit. I think he always, I mean, he makes like two movies a year. I think he's there a lot. Um, oh, Kevin's not into Depew. 
I've never. I, I feel like I've only seen the first mm. DPA. I've yeah. seen rubber, rubber, and that was fucking tire, awful. Is that so. the tire one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That was one of those movies that I had like polar opposite reactions from when I first saw it to when I watched it again. Like when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is like uh, you know satirical, like transgressive, like a la you know Chuck Palahniuk or something." And then I watch it again. It's like, this is fucking trash. Like, I'm like, curious. like wannabe philosophical dumbness. <laughs> I'm curious to to what led you to watch it again. I remembered liking it. Okay. You know, in like 2010 or whenever when I first saw it, but then in 2017, it's like, ugh. You know, um. <clears throat> Tariq Salah has a film, and that's this guy who directed The Contractor, this Chris Pine uh, action movie I just watched. And he's got a film at Cannes, which is weird. <laughs> I bet you think it's real weird from that rating of Contractor. Yeah, it's not. that's not a good movie. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, mm. uh, it says it's a political thriller, this movie that he's got. So maybe it's some kind of uh, more... Well, uh, Highbrow. I don't know. Mm. All right. Well, let's do. Um, none of us have any knowledge of any of these movies. None of us know a single thing about most of them. Uh, sure. Palm door pick right now. Go. Okay. Oh. Ooh, oh nice. man. Uh, what we want to win or what will win? No. What will win? Who's the uh, Who's the jury president? What? Have they announced that yet? I don't know. I feel like that should be at the top of the article I'm reading, but um, I'm on the Can website and it doesn't say it on ooh. the official selection mm. page. So mm. <laughs> maybe we should know this mm. before. Oh no! Yeah, it no, feels... no, Iris Knobloch, uh, the first female president of the Can Film Festival. Who is that? Wait, is, she... is that the president? She... That's not the jury. Oh, that's not okay. But she, I mean, she is the president. That's cool. I don't know what the president that's great. does. Me neither. I... <laughs> this is good. Pierre, Pierre Lescure and Terry Fremont announced the selections. This is good podcast. Whoever they are. So far, we yeah, are beautiful. all Googling things and we listed <laughs> yeah. the movies. In case right. you didn't see an article yourself, we've listed them in a weird order for you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many people are paying attention to the, the can announcement, you know? The um the Darden brothers have a film too. I didn't see that originally. Mm. So that's, don't, you guys, uh, don't you guys hate them? I've never seen any of their stuff. Me neither. That's even worse. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> would prefer we'd seen their stuff and hated it. <laughs> there was no mention of David Lynch, but Olivier Assayas will also be showing part of his new TV show adaptation of Irma Vep. And Ethan go. Cohen will debut his first documentary on Jerry Lee Lewis. Ethan Cohen also they announced earlier this week that he has he does he is working on a film by himself. Yeah, it's like, like some kind feature. of like sex comedy or Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Let's see. It's kind of a I don't know, it's a little bit bizarre that they're just sort of separate now. But, you know, whatever. I wonder if this Moon Age Daydream documentary by Brett Morgan is gonna be about Bowie. It's supposed to be, yeah. Like, um, is it? Okay. Yeah, like in the um, 
like I still have ads when I look at Letterboxd on uh, on the computer. So like, like apparently he got like access to Bowie's archives and stuff, and so it's like, that's um, cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Haven't heard anything uh, more about that that uh biopic. Well, it's not like an official one. I don't. Think. Oh, the one with uh, yeah that trailer that came out a while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I think that just came and went, man. I'm pretty sure that movie came out like on VOD and nobody saw it. Oh, okay. Because you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looked like garbage. What was it called? I don't even remember. I want. Is it called like, Stardust, Stardust or something? Or some shit? Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, that's never mind. No, no, no. Stardust is that um, Jumanji yeah. sequel. Oh. Hmm. What? No. Jumanji. There's a, it's called Stardust? Mm-hmm, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Stardust is the name of a Neil Gaiman adaptation. Yeah. Is it? I might be thinking of something else. Then. What's Robert the movie Tano. that's the Jumanji uh, sequel? Zathura? Uh, oh, Zathura. That's what, what is, I'm thinking of. What? That's a Jumanji a, sequel? Yeah. Well, it's like what? in the same like it's sort the same of universe deal. or whatever. Yeah. What? That's <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> His mind is blown right now. I love it when I know something that JR oh, yeah, didn't know. Oh yeah, it's Stardust, and apparently it's on Hulu. Twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, looks like this is garbage, though. Ooh. Don't watch this. Don't waste your time with this. Four point three on IMDb, nineteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, thirty five percent on Metacritic. <laughs> I'll pass. JR's so confused. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> oh, just looking at stuff, man. We're just chilling out. All right. It's a good. It's a good uh, podcast here. We gotta tighten up. We gotta tighten this up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Um, let's get into. Uh, well, I'll, I guess. I mean, did you guys watch the teaser for the Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future? Yes. One of the only films from Cannes that has a uh, has a tr- uh, footage released yet. Mm. What'd you guys think of that uh, teaser? I mean, there's not much to it, but some uh, pretty striking imagery. I thought. Yeah, I thought like it was funny how like when they said you know like from the mind of David Cronenberg, director of Crash, The Fly, Eastern Promises, History of Violence. Not one of these. I mean, sort of the fly, but not one of these is Minch, is one of his body horror films. And I thought this they is said video drum. Did, form with the body horror. They didn't so. say video. They didn't. They didn't say video drum. The, they didn't list video drum oh. or scanners or. Uh, that is weird. Rabid. Yeah. That is strange. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but you know they're trying to get people are, people's attention rather than. Uh, sure. Rather than, it just feels like he's he's his son has sort of been doing this kind of thing for a little while now, and he's maybe been inspired, a la Francis Ford Coppola, doing independent films when he was inspired by Sophia. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It says Crash. That's so bizarre. Why would it say Crash? Like nobody, like who watch who watch like Crash is not one of his big hits. I don't think. Right? It's like, wait, didn't like. Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. For some reason, I thought, like, didn't Holly Hunter get, like, Academy recognition for that? Oh, 
Oh, I could be wrong, but I thought no, I... No, I have no idea. Mm. You're saying she might have been nominated for an Oscar for yeah, Trash? Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. Cool. Because we don't have enough Googling yet yeah. in the episode. Not at all. Said nine wins, six nominations. It won Best Film, Cahiers du Cinema. Winner of Special Jury Prize. No, it didn't win any Oscars. Oh, okay. Genie Award winner. Won some. Those are Canadian Oscars, the mm. Genies. Right. Won, won some of those, but not. she didn't win. Oh, okay. I don't know. But anyways, uh, JR, what do you think about this trailer? <laughs> you fucking loser. It's like 20 Come seconds. On. Come on. It really is. It's a minute long. Ugh. You barely see anything. Yeah. So it's not like I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have thought much anyway. Maybe. <laughs> you get to see some cool shit, though. They like have a guy with ears sewed onto his head. It's yeah. weird. Like on his forehead. Spoiler. Pretty strange. It's in the trailer. It's in the <laughs> teaser trailer. Yeah. This is like a legit teaser also, unlike those teasers that are five minutes long that the people have been yeah, releasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a real teaser. And a pleaser. Mm-hmm. So, that I'll be looking forward to. Um, all right, well, you know, fuck it. Let's get into what we watched. All right. What did you watch? Very little. Me too. <laughs> well, I watch less than you. You you log like five or six things. I log one thing. Man, I just, besides our I just whooped you guys up and down the block this week. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. I think this is it's probably the fewest number of movies I've ever logged between episodes. Mm. Really? But I had a I had a big one in there. Did you see what I did? Uh, hang on, don't tell me. <laughs> I'm on. I'm not on my activity you're stream you're yet. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm not on my activity stream, so I'm just looking at my diary. I know you rewatched you watch Singing in the Rain. Seven yeah, Brides yeah, for Seven yeah, Brothers, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a rewatch. Weird. What? I mean, it's not weird, but I get I get why you did it. Um, it was probably. Uh, no, Singing in the Rain, we talked about that it's, just It's now. a long time ago. Don't look all the way through. No, 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 I'm going. This, this okay, no, I'm sorry. You, you can you can. <laughs> too you much can anticipation. No, I watched uh, Serpico. I did it. Oh, oh right. right. I did the thing. I knew you'd like it, too. I, I knew you'd like it. I was convinced I wouldn't. I was ready to hate it. I was really annoyed that it's good. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You're like, fuck oh, this Lamette could, guy. Could not believe it that this really good director and this great actor produced something good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, you know, this uh, this cop who just seems to rub people the wrong way because he, you know, like has a beard and uh, doesn't want to beat the shit out of the people he arrests. He, uh, right. You know, yeah. fights, sort of fights corruption in the uh, New York City Police Department. And, you know, it's not like a, I feel like that sounds like it's going to be a thriller or something. And it's definitely not. Definitely a drama. It's definitely the kind of like frustrating, like, as in like, he's going through a very frustrating ordeal where he is trying to fight something that is systemic, obviously. He's, he's fighting an entire system of government. And it's a... Uh, you know, I felt that frustration, and Al Pacino is really good, and I just I love the way this thing is uh is paced. It just it feels feels nice. I like it. 
Yeah, it's great. I told you. I told you it was good. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, uh, it's, I don't know. It feels like, uh, it feels like if it was a thriller, because that's, I agree, that's like what I went into it the first time I ever watched it, which was a long time ago, but the first time I watched it, I remember thinking like, this does not have nearly enough sort of like him busting down doors and shooting people because <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I thought and, and when he when he there's a scene where he goes to the um, firing range and he buys that Browning high power automatic pistol that has like 15 shots or whatever and the guy's like all you need is one and he, and he goes he goes are you just shooting one guy or something like that and he says no he goes no I'm uh, I gotta take on the division or whatever and he's like he he's like uh like he'll need he'll need more shots or whatever like and I was thinking oh this is gonna lead to some kind of like end scene where he has a big shootout with everybody like they're gonna try to kill him or something you know which would have made sense in terms of what the story is but obviously it's a true story so it's not gonna you know veer into like crazy uh action time and I love the way it's bookended sort of by the um like I like the way it starts with him in the back of the squad car half dead we and that you know i think that also kind of that that made me think that this will be a thriller because right it's starting with a tense moment where he's shot and he might die um you know so we're gonna get some shootout thing we don't get a shootout thing really and uh Mm -hmm. you know they use that intro just to establish it's really whoever saying like was it a cop that shot him you know, establishing right. that he clearly has a, a few friends, few friends on the force. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I, I love it. I love Serpico. And uh, I love the Met. <laughs> the guy, <laughs> guy rocks. <laughs> oh, I didn't add this to my Lumet <clears throat> list. Oh, my God. You got to. You got oh to. You're, I'm sure you're crushing me at this point. Yeah, obviously. obviously how many? How many? Of you, how many of you watched? Uh, it's I, you know I don't want to embarrass you or anything. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I have seen thirty-six. Fuck your life! You're dead to me. This is uh, top five Lamette. Yeah, I would agree with that. You still haven't seen The Hill. Are you sure Ridiculous. about that? Yeah. Well, you're not. You haven't logged it. <laughs> God, I don't know feels, why you haven't seen feels it. Feels like I watched that one. Why you haven't seen Find Me Guilty either? That's no, ridiculous. Okay, you should. It's decent. Sorry, forgot how much you love Vin Diesel or Family Business, dude. You're out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I, I, it's like you've seen so many more than me, but I've seen so many that you haven't seen. Well, I've also seen so many that you haven't seen. That is true. I mean, That's how you've, that seen, works. you've seen Stranger Among Us. <laughs> yeah, and I don't regret it. Uh, your regret score one. looks like you regret it. <laughs> Look, he's Guilty got, of sin. the man's got some that bad movies in, in him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I want to see all the rest of these. I just haven't gotten around to it. You gave up. You quit. I get it. I get it. I mean, you still got almost 20 movies to see jesus <laughs> and i haven't stopped i mean you slowed down considerably 
Hey, failsafe is on my Criterion challenge, so oh, nice. I will be watching it soon. I own it on Blu-ray. Mm. Anyway, that feels like uh, Kevin. Uh, so let's see. Most of the things that I've been watching have been on my Criterion challenge. So, uh, started off with Schizopolis from Soderbergh, and it took. I didn't realize it at first. But then, like, I finally realized that it was shot where we're recording in Baton Rouge. And yeah, because I was like, that looks familiar. And then finally, like, the the camera pans around as he's watching this car. And I was like, oh, I've been to that Burger King. Like, it's five minutes (laughs) away from me. (laughs) Anyway. Pretty cool. uh, But yeah, Schizopolis as as a film is very very interesting like the way so most of it is about um Soderbergh playing a guy who's like a I guess mid-level managerial type who works in this sort of church of Scientology ish thing and uh he's trying to navigate his job and it's the way it's shot is very weird and off the wall and then it starts going into these odd places like he switches bodies and switches characters and then it becomes this weird um like marriage um affair story towards the end and like people people are talking in like french and japanese and italian and there's no subtitles and but the people they're talking to speak back to them in English and understand everything that they're saying in the other languages. I mean, it's just Soderbergh knows how to have fun with movies. Like we see that so much more now since he has this insane freedom to just, you know, hop around from service to service, making these movies. But like, I read that like that was Schizopolis was a movie that got him out of like a really bad funk because, uh, like, he made Sex, Lies, and Videotape and, like, made, like, three or four movies after that that didn't really go anywhere critically or box office-wise. And I think then he made Out of Sight, or maybe he made Schizopolis before Out of Sight. But this was what got him on tr- back on track for critics and box office. And, you know, then he went on to do Traffic and... Nice. Won Oscars. So Schizopolis is um yeah, it's two years before uh out of sight. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think it, like you're talking about like the um like King of the Hill and yeah, Kafka like, and all those movies. Yeah, those things. Yeah. Grey's Anatomy and yeah. I haven't seen any of that shit. I saw Grey's Anatomy, I think, but I haven't mm. seen any like I haven't seen Schizopolis, I haven't seen Kafka or King of the Hill. Yeah. But yeah. I uh I I'd like to. I would for sure that. recommend Schizopolis. Cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Cool. Why not? Yeah, I've. I don't know. He's weird because it's like, I mean, there's a lot of kind of not a ton, but there's movies I haven't seen by him that, and, and there's stuff. I, there's also stuff that I have this like very little interest in watching, like The Laundromat, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even like uh, oh, I haven't seen Grey's Anatomy. I saw the other one, and everything is going fine. Mm. The other. Uh, Spalding Gray. Right. 
Did you guys ever watch Mosaic? No, I saw that Jordan logged it. Um, I don't remember what his rating was, but um, yeah, I mean, it seems like an interesting thing. It seems like it seems kind of similar to like they did that um, uh, Bandersnatch, the uh, Black Mirror thing, where you could choose alternate mm-hmm. paths mm-hmm. through the movie. So. Yeah. Hats off to Soderbergh for I think that's what he did. Like you could It was like Yeah, there was an a, there was an app. And, yeah, yeah like there you was could, there like, was an app. Navigate like different storylines. I think I think now it's just on HBO Max as a show, but mm-hmm. originally it was it was an app and uh I watched the first part of, I watched maybe half the first episode on the app. Mm. But I never got back to it. Anyway, I uh I watched The Contractor, which is a recently released um, VOD movie directed by, like we said, Tariq Sella, Sella, um, starring Chris Pine and his good friend Ben Foster. These guys love to work together. You might remember them from uh, that bank robbery movie they did, Hell in High Water. Oh. Or... I think they were in something else too. Oh yeah, they were in the the uh, finest hours or finest hour, whatever that is. The storm movie where he's a boat captain. You guys remember that one? Mm-mm. The perfect storm. No, finest hours. It's like he's a <laughs> like Chris Pine's on a boat in the forties and he's like stuck at sea and then like uh, what's his face uh, Affleck, the younger Affleck Casey. He's another captain of another boat. I don't know. Nobody nobody saw this movie, but it exists. Anyways, the contractor is a sort of uh, action thriller about a man, a special forces soldier played by Chris Pine, who he hurt his knee really bad in combat, and he's got to get back to work. You know, his family is uh, just drowning in bills. His wife, Gillian Jacobs, who has nothing to do in this movie... And I don't know why she's in it. Uh, she's just she's there to open the bills and be you know sad about the fact that they have no money, and tell him that she doesn't want him to be a, a mercenary. But he's like, I gotta do it. I gotta take care of my family. So he goes to see Kiefer, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, who's Ben Foster's boss, and uh, he hires him to do a job in Berlin. And they go to Berlin, and they do the job. And it involves Chris Pine having to murder somebody with a poison syringe, which he does, reluctantly. And uh, then, you know, of course it goes goes haywire and they have to shoot a bunch of German cops on their escape. Decent action. Uh, you know, there's a lot of tactical, like, you get the, like, the whole Taylor Sheridan thing that's happening in Hollywood now where... And the John, John Wick is largely responsible for this, too. It's like everybody has to be, like, super tactical and military now, you know? Like, oh, yeah. you can tell these guys went to some kind of boot camp and learned how to shoot real weapons with live ammo and stuff, you know? <laughs> and uh, how to cover each other and shit. And uh, that's all well and fine. But this movie is just so... Okay, on the surface, you would say it's predictable, which it is. But that's not its biggest problem. Its biggest problem is that the editor doesn't know what he's doing, apparently. 
<laughs> and he's got s- shots that make no sense. Like he'll just he just he just dumps these really weird shots in the middle of scenes, and it makes no sense at all. I don't get what he's trying to get at or anything. There's a shot at the very beginning of the film. It's just him. It's him running, right? And he's like, because he's trying to get his like back in shape or whatever. And then all of a sudden, it cuts to him in like a camper, like an RV, and he's cleaning his gun, like he's you know he's clicking it and everything. And uh, and then it just cuts back to him running. And I'm like, okay, so this is like a training montage, like he's you know practicing dismantling his gun, cleaning whatever. And then he's also running around and he's in the woods so he's staying in this camper i don't know and then he goes home and then the movie continues so then fast fast forward 90 minutes to the end of the movie right before he goes and confronts uh kiefer sutherland in the big shootout at the end that same shot of him cleaning the gun it's the same it's the same scene like i don't know why they showed that scene at the beginning of the film of him cleaning the gun it makes no sense like, I understand the idea of starting at the end, you know, like showing stuff at the end and then coming back. But it's like, it's such a weird thing to show. It just, it was completely, like, when that shot happened again, I was like, what are they doing? It's almost like the editor forgot that he already put that in at the beginning, you know? And he's just like, we'll show this again. <laughs> and then, you know, everybody's so super tactical and everything. And like, Chris Pine is like, the way he's holding his gun, he's like holding it John Wick style, you know? And they're all holding their rifles and they're just like... They're never looking where their rifles aren't pointing, that kind of thing. You know, you could just tell they know what they're doing. And then at the end, uh, Ben Foster gets into a shootout with someone, and he's literally just standing in the middle of a road, just pointing his pistol, shooting. Like, wouldn't you be undercover? Like, he's being shot. He didn't just get shot, like, twice. He just gets shot, blown away. It just takes the... It's like I don't understand why they give gave up the realism at that point. Was his character like the hothead with a temper who's going to really. get everybody killed? Like, I know. Like, that's what you would expect. Right. But he was like, he was just like, it honestly, it felt very much like Chris Pine made this movie happen. And he called Ben Foster. He called in a favor. Because mm. Ben Foster's not really in the movie very much. Kiefer Sutherland's in the movie, like, for two scenes. And this is definitely a Chris Pine, uh, the Chris Pine show. And he's... I mean, he's not great. He's just, you know, I don't know. And he's trying to do all this emotional stuff. He's screaming all the time. And he, yeah. they've got these flashbacks to when he was a kid. And it's like his dad, his dad tattooed him when he was seven. <laughs> and it's like tra- he's traumatized because of it or whatever. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. None of it works at all. Except for some of the blood squibs are decent. Oh, and the uh, tactical shooting stuff. I'm a sucker for that. So I, I'd watch that regardless. But overall, it's a big, huge misfire. Poorly written, poorly edited. Is this Poorly directed. Is this one you would recommend just, just watch the action scenes on YouTube? I mean, I would recommend you watch the last action scene on YouTube. Okay. And it's about, you know, four minutes long. So it's nothing. Oh. But it does have all of the real squibs in it, mm. whereas the rest of the movie, there's a lot of CG blood earlier in the film. But at the end, there's some good, decent, real squibs. It looks pretty nice. So, you know, that's fine. But he, but that last shootout is the one where Ben Foster is just standing in the middle of the road shooting. It makes no fucking sense at all. So <laughs> that drove me nuts. But uh, I don't know. 
would not recommend to waste your time with this. It's uh, it's pretty much garbage. Mm. You've seen this movie a hundred times before, done better. I mean, you know, going back to fucking Seagal movies in the 80s were doing this exact same storyline, you know. Mm. And somehow better. This guy has a movie at Cannes? I can only imagine what that movie is. Because mm. this guy does not seem like he knows what he's doing as a filmmaker. But it's just one movie, you know? And uh, people make stinkers. Look at Lumet. We were just talking about him. You mm. know? He made some bad ones. What was that James Spader doctor movie he made? That shit was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, fuck. I don't remember the I, name of it. It was... Uh, who could care? <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's not even worth remembering. Anyway, that's literally uh, the only movie I watch, but I, I do have other stuff. To, I could talk about a couple of TV things that I checked out. <laughs> but, anyways, JR? All right. I, um, <clears throat> it had been a while since I watched anything on my Criterion Challenge. So I watched my 2010s pick, Beasts of No Nation, which. It was just, you know, it's on the collections, conveniently located on Netflix. I... That cat is not even in this room. Um, mm. So, sorry, this cat. is a... Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a 2015 movie uh, from director uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga. Mm-hmm. And this is the one that stars Idris Elba as a... Um, you know, like a rebel, uh, I don't know, like, not, he's not a warlord, he's like a middle management guy, but this is, uh, you know, a war in an unnamed African country where, um, you know, we've got rebels of different, you know, denominations, I guess, fighting, fighting a government, uh, but everyone's using, like, child soldiers, and it's the kind of thing where everyone's just kind of going through towns and raiding them for supplies and killing people. Uh, it's awful. Um, and, uh, this is about, uh, one kid who is recruited by Idris Elba to be a child soldier, and, um, you know, kind of the atrocities that, uh, that happen around this kid and by this kid. I mean, he's, you know, he is brainwashed. He's given drugs. You know, it's like there's all kinds of ways they like keep these or convince these kids to, like do awful things. And uh, it's, it's tough to watch, but I don't think it's actually much good. Um, it like it, it wants to, I don't know, it's trying to have it both ways with Idris Elba. It's trying to make him likable. It's trying to make him magnetic, but also like awful and scary. And I, I don't think the characterization works very well. And this has maybe the worst uh, pairing of content and score that I've like ever heard. Um, and I saw one letterbox review like mentioned that like it's uh, it's kind of like M eighty three style since, uh, and it's it does not fit with the tone of the movie at all. It's bizarre. Couldn't stand it. Uh, mm. yeah, so this is mostly uh, mostly a miss. And I'm not sure why like this is not just on the channel. This is in the uh, this is in the collection now. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've got like some deal with Netflix, but I I would not have thought this was worthy. Mm. 
I don't uh, remember the score at all. And honestly, when I saw your score, my first thought was, "It looks about right." <laughs> and then I went and saw, and then I went and saw my score, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I don't remember liking it nearly that much. Four and a half. I don't oh, remember that Jesus. at all. Jesus. Well, I didn't even really watch it. Usually, I feel like you guys, when you've seen a movie, like you're, you know, like on the movies page, you're one of those like mm. nine icons I see, and you're not one of those this time. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I'd seen it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I watched it when it first came out. I was very excited. I liked, uh, he was coming off of um, True Detective at the time. Yeah. And I was very into that first season, so. That's probably what boosted the score, to be honest. There, um, I mean, and there are like a few just insanely shot sequences where they do some crazy things with color that look really cool. Um, you know, so he's got like some of his visual stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't really think that that boosts the movie too much. Like the sequences are cool, but I still think the the overall product is just not working. He's also his own cinematographer on this. It's mm. kind of interesting. All right. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some, Jr. Yeah. 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 Kevin. Okay. So I'll go uh, through some uh, French films that I watched. So first, uh, I watched Le Jeté. Finally. Um, been meaning to watch this, you know, forever since I saw 12 Monkeys and saw that it was, you know, uh, loosely adapted from this short film. Um, I think it was the term is, uh, Gilliam had to fight for the term inspired by in the credits. Uh, like they didn't want to, uh, like the guilds didn't want to say inspired by They wanted him to say it was adapted or based on or something. And he's, he didn't like that. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Terry Gilliam is no. I I could go on a long thing about Terry Gilliam, but I won't. Um, Le Jeté is really very interesting visually. It's very cool, and the fact that it's just stills and narration doesn't take it down any at all for me. Um, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And let's see. So then I watched uh, Jean Cocteau's version of Beauty and the Beast, which is also very, very good. Like I liked, I liked very much the fact that like, um, like there. You know, it's Beauty and the Beast, so we kind of know the story from the Disney version. But I like the fact that, like, it's not, um, like, Belle is not just some pretty face. Because, like, you know, she's got some attitude in the Disney film. But, like, the Belle in Cocteau's is, like, not going to put up with anybody's shit. And I very much appreciated that. And, like, her... In this version, like, she's got, like, some wicked uh, sisters who, like... It reminded me a lot of uh, Le Corbeau. Like, how some of those French women in the film were just nasty pieces of work. And so that that was really cool. 
and um the the visual effects fucking aces yeah i remember loving the uh camera tricks and things that they used in the film yeah like when uh like the the first time that she uses the magic glove to transport herself from the castle to her father's uh bedroom like the way the dress like puffs out of the wall and like she just appears like that was so cool and the um like the the beast uh makeup and effects like that was all really cool too and the dude uh uh, gotta look up his name Uh, jean something or other (laughs) you know they're french classic french name jean something or other (laughs) (laughs) yeah jean marais uh so he plays like so he plays the gaston part he plays the beast and then he plays also you know the um the the prince who was cursed and the way he does three separate performances in this film it's like you know he's right up there with peter sellers in doing different characters and making them you know very different people like um i gave i gave this a four because the length was kind of getting to me at the time but i'm sure if i watch this again it would go up I haven't seen it since high school, actually, but I still like remember images from it really vividly. Mm. And um, like, there's a scene when uh, somebody gets—I think it's like there's aren't there like evil women in it at some point? Yeah, Belle's uh, sisters are—they're right. like basically wicked, wicked stepsisters. And then like, and they try to like handle her uh, her jewelry at one point, and then they drop it, and it like turns into uh, like. <laughs> turns into like smoking roots or some shit i remember yeah and it's like that was one of the camera tricks i remember because it's like it's all in one shot and somehow like they just change in midair into this other object and i thought that was so cool yes we watched it in french class oh nice (laughs) so it was great though um yeah i actually have owned it for a long time too my buddy logan bought it for me a while ago nice and uh been meaning to rewatch it Give it a shot. Cool. I, I will, you know? Um, all right. Well, I can say that I watched... Uh, this is super film-related, so it's a TV show. I watched the first episode of Tokyo Vice, which is uh, directed by Michael Mann um, and stars Ansel Elgort, you know, everybody's favorite actor, Ansel Elgort. He's hot right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I read a I read an online article today about his um the history of the abuse allegations against him and like how they fit into, you know, like how West Side Story reacted, how Spielberg reacted and things like that. So, I'm thinking all this uh this Japanese uh this Tokyo Vice show was probably shot prior to the pandemic, I don't know. But um anyway, he's uh you know He's not a great actor, but he's very. I, I I admire the commitment that he must have to this show because he's clearly learned to speak Japanese and converse in Japanese for this show. He does a lot of it in this first episode, and if he's just memorizing phonetically like the words, and 
Like, I don't think that would be enough. I feel like he's actually learned to speak Japanese, which is quite impressive. And, uh, he care he does, he does a good job of carrying the show. And, uh, Ken Watanabe is sort of barely in this episode, but I get the impression that he'll come in and sort of be, um, you know, a second lead. And, uh, the first episode is great. It's like really interesting and just Michael Mann is back in a big way. He's finally able to shoot on beautiful sort of, uh, you know, state of the art digital cameras, but he's got that movement that Michael Mann has in the last few films where he was shooting on, you know, uh, I don't even know what the fuck he was shooting on, like Viper cameras and shit back in like, uh, collateral and public enemies and all that stuff the show looks really good is my point but it still has the same aesthetic as um the whole handheld super close on the face while they're walking that kind of thing and uh it's just it's a really good setup for a show it's this guy this american wants to be a crime reporter in tokyo which i find a little frustrating because he never explains why he wants to do that he just you just everybody, everybody's like, "Why are you coming to Tokyo? I want to be a crime reporter." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> it's just." And um, he learns Japanese. He's obviously been there for a while. He knows Japanese. He's learning how to, you know, write better and better. He goes and he takes this test, and it's just very real, like what you would expect from Michael Mann. Like it looks like they just filmed, you know, like a session of them taking this test in Tokyo, and Ansel Elgort is there. Uh, doing it as well and he passes the test and he does very well and they hire him but of course you know he's a fish out of water and all the all the hardcore japanese reporters don't like him because he's uh he's a gringo but they have another name for it it's like some asian you know some japanese slang for it um but yeah he starts uh seeing the influence of the yakuza around the city and there are murders happening and he's trying to report on them, but they're telling him that they'd literally tell him that in Japan, there is no murder. Nobody gets murdered in Japan. Uh, and he's like, and he's like, he's like, did you write this article about a murder? And he's like, yeah, it's like the guy had a knife in his chest. And he's like, he's like, well, it's not a murder until we tell you it's a murder until the police announced that it's a murder. It's not a murder. So, um, it's very That's like intense. sort of, yeah, it's sort of like frustrating, and he's obviously frustrated as well. And uh, yeah, to see like it's going to be a good show, and there's I wanted to watch more of it. There's four episodes out now, or I think five actually. I take it back. I think there's five episodes out now. They released three the first week and two the second week. So I'm uh, psyched to watch more. And uh, yeah, oh, and I also watched the first episode of uh, Cursed Films season two or Cursed Films 2, as it is on the actual sh credits of the show, which is about the Wizard of Oz and the uh, sort of uh, problematic production that it had, what with the actress who played the witch being burned and uh, Judy Garland being drugged up constantly and told not to lose weight and <laughs> things like that. The midget hanging himself. I'd heard about the uh, the guy, the original Tin Man getting like, like oh, yeah, his lungs Buddy got Epson. fucked up. Yeah, yeah, they talk. That's like the first thing they talk about. Mm. Yeah, I remember hearing about that too. Um, because Buddy Epson is Jed Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies TV show, oh. and he was originally cast, and then he had to drop out because they used aluminum flake, <sighs> like just like ground up aluminum as the like it mixed with the paint, Jeez. so it didn't work out. Anyways, but um. 
yeah, it's just it's just a good show. It's very well made, very entertaining, and uh, he's got some big names coming into this one. He's got Greg Turkington on there and Adam Savage from MythBusters, and it's just uh, it's cool. You know, I'm really looking forward to. There's an episode about Stalker coming up, so mm, psyched nice. about the Stalker episode. Love Stalker. Yeah, I really want to. Uh, See what what he has to say about that because I I know very comparatively very little about I mean I know what that's going to be about it's about the people who died years later because of exposure but you know I don't know much about it outside of that mm. fact so that's all I watched though except for Finisterre and uh, it's always Fairweather yeah and lots and lots of YouTube videos <laughs> I watched lots of. Uh, Cops pulling over police impersonators. What? Amazing. Why? Amazing. <laughs> That's what you spent your time on. I don't. I don't know why I asked why. Don't tell me why. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I actually started. Uh, I had Singing in the Rain on my browser, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this right now. And then I remembered I have to watch Finisterre, so I watched Finisterre <laughs> instead. I was like, Oh, this would be great if I could watch, you know, another Stanley Donut musical and talk about it yeah, mm. yeah i mean three three movies co-directed by stanley Donen and gene kelly yeah mm. singing in the rain is the middle one and uh i mean that was the last thing i was gonna talk about singing in the rain is uh still fucking incredible it's awesome it, it's uh i don't know there there are a lot of similarities between um these three movies they all they all have like a really different tone, but they all have uh, similar structures. And I guess I won't get into it until it's always fair weather. But Singing in the Rain mm. is, is definitely, just objectively, the best of them. And uh, I also watched, as you mentioned, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which Donan made in between Singing in the Rain and It's Always Fair Weather. And uh, this is a movie that was on in my house just so much. My sister was the boss of the television like she was like the, ba- the baby and she loved musicals and like we were always watching like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or Sound of Music or Mary Poppins or this movie Seven Brides really? for Seven Brothers uh, which is about just like uh, this mountain man guy who uh, comes into town one day and is like I fucking hate cooking and my cooking is dog shit and I just like, I want a woman to help me around the house. And he's like, I'm going to find a woman to marry me in town. Uh, and he does. He finds Jane Powell. And, uh, you know, when they're going through the pass uh, and they're back at the house, he's like, oh, and I've got six brothers that live with me. And they're all fucking animals. Um, <laughs> and then the movie uh, turns into uh, those brothers going to town because we're going to find wives for them. And uh, we don't find wives for them, but each one of them does find uh, a nice little woman, uh, and there there might be some mutual attractions happening, uh, and there are lots of cool dance sequences that go on, and then they're like, you know what? To make them love us, let's go kidnap them and bring them back here, uh, and we'll make the snow like avalanche with sound in the past so no one can come get us for months during the winter uh and uh yeah it's Jesus. a it's a stockholm it's like a human right? trafficking wow. thing then so it's fuck, it's it's legitimately <laughs> fucked up uh this movie is fucked there are lots of letterbox reviews 
saying how fucked it is. And you know what? It is. You can't defend the plot. It's uh, aged horribly. <laughs> but the whole thing is like so just ludicrous that uh, it's really hard to find it offensive mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, this has got, uh, it's got Julie Newmar as one of the, the, the women. Mm-hmm. You know, the original uh, Catwoman. She's just so obviously tall um, and gorgeous. And she's paired up with uh, a former baseball player who is the only person in the movie that like doesn't ever dance. There's these huge dance sequences with all of these brothers and these girls, and you just see this brother standing in the background of shots. He doesn't because he doesn't <laughs> dance. He's like Kevin Nash and Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I my rating has a lot to do with nostalgia and how many times I've seen it and all that but it, i do find it to be a, a really entertaining movie and it was also like stanley donan hates it because they they slashed his budget they had to film on uh sets uh, they, they were supposed to film it on location they had to film it on sets they had to use painted backdrops uh i think a lot of the painted backdrops look really cool and uh apparently mgm or i think it was mgm put all their money behind uh, a Gene Kelly musical that year called Brigadoon, which is also pretty fun. And uh, and this movie ended up way outgrossing it and uh, getting a Best Picture nomination, which it doesn't deserve, but that's okay. Mm. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Let's see. Okay, so... <laughs> so... Like I, like I said earlier when I texted you guys, I watched a just straight-up gem of a movie today called Local Hero, written and directed by Scotsman Bill Forsyth, starring Peter Reigert, Peter Capaldi, and Burt Lancaster. So, Kevin, Kevin yes. before you go on, I, I was really worried that you hated this movie because... When you texted that, you were like, I think you, you like, you're going to bend our ears or something. Yeah, I yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah he's bend I was our like, ears. is he mad at me? Is he mad at me that I liked this movie and he hated it so much? <laughs> but no, okay. It has Peter Capaldi and uh, Burt Lancaster, and I'm sure he loved it. Yeah. But- <laughs> I, was like, I, I have no idea why Kevin would hate this movie so much. Yeah, is- right, sorry again. Is the phrase "bend your ear" just does does that have well, is bend that your a ear just means to talk to someone? Yeah, right. Talk yeah. A it's lot. like talk. I, I, I guess I could have said "talk your ear off," but you know, well, that's also violent. That has violent connotations. Yeah. Also, Jared's just scared. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm just, I mean, just no re- no reason to be. I five out of five. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is on Criterion, right? Uh, it's in the it's collection, in but it's on not on the channel. Yeah. Like I got right. the Blu-ray from right. the library, and uh, I've never heard. I've never. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I've heard of it. Just I've seen the face of it on the Criterion. You know, I, I also talked about it on this podcast. Did you really? Yeah. See, I don't remember yes. you talking Jesus. about it, but that you doesn't mean you didn't. So you guys don't listen to me. I'm just kidding. No, we don't. No. I was probably. Uh, you Who know, are you? What's your name again? I want to do something. John heard something vaguely British and was like, "I'm out." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Even when he said Peter Capaldi, I was like, I don't know. I don't think I care about this. <laughs> <laughs> but you love Suicide Squad. I liked, yeah, I liked the, uh, yeah. Was he in that? Yeah. 
<laughs> was he in that? He's he some the, old he's dude. He's the brain guy. He's got the... Like the oh, right. He's the villain. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's all right in that. No, I like Peter Cabot. I like the uh, In the Loop movie. I didn't really like the movie. I liked him in it, though. Yeah, I mean... You know. yeah. Um, it's fun. I like him cursing and stuff. Yeah. How was uh, yeah. Local Hero? <laughs> okay, so so Local Hero is about uh, Peter Reigert. Uh, you probably know him as the cop from The Mask. Doyle. Um. So he's <laughs> he's no he's in uh he's in uh, Animal House. Oh, I haven't seen that Animal guy? House actually. Yeah. But uh. But yeah, he's um, so he's this oil dude who lives in Houston, has kind of a lonely existence, and he's like really good at making deals. And so, the company that he works for sends him to Scotland because he needs to make this deal to buy up this town essentially, so they can put all their oil stuff in this perfect beach. So he gets there and he starts mingling with the locals and. Like, right away, like, literally, like, right away, like, he, like, at first is, you know, kind of taken aback that, like, so many, like, uh, Dennis Lawson, who is Wedge from the Star Wars movies, um, is kind of the... Wedge and Tilly. Yes, exactly. And so he's, like, kind of, like, the spokesman for the town. Um, so, like, they have a little bit of a rocky relationship at first, but like it very easy, very quickly becomes their like best of friends. And the thing that I appreciated most about this movie was the fact that like, you know, you've seen this kind of story. Like someone has to go to a town and explain to him why they have to buy up all their land. And like, you know, the person learns something about themselves and they learn and all the townspeople are like, we've been here for generations. This is our home. But right away, all these people are like, we want the money. Give us the money. Like, screw this town. Like, uh, wow. like as like one of the this Russian friend of the town says, like, you know, you can't eat scenery. So... <laughs> yeah um yeah like all of the all of the village people are like very worldly and like one of the shopkeepers is, is like speaks fluent russian so like it's totally like flips those notions that you have of this kind of narrative on its head and like the the movie the movie progresses and like Burt Lancaster is kind of on the side as this, like, eccentric billionaire who, like, runs the company, and he's getting, like, this weird, like, abuse therapy, but then, like, the abuse therapist, like, won't stop harassing him. <laughs> there's a there's a wonderful moment where he, where he like, he lowers the, uh, the blinds because this dude has, like, climbed up a skyscraper to harass him. And he says to his uh, secretary, there's a madman outside. You should call the cops and tell him to bring a marksman. Shoot to kill. <laughs> uh, so, uh, don't want don't to spoil the end, but um, yeah, like, it was just... Charming is the best word I can think of to describe this movie. It is so charming. I laughed a lot. 
I liked, you know, pretty much everything about it. It was an easy five stars. Because, like, I kept going back and, like, you know, like... Lately, it seems like everything I watch is either a three or a three and a half at most. And, like, with a couple of fours sprinkled in here the and three, there. Three star Ted? No. Basically, yeah. Um, it's, it's progress. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, so this was a welcome breath of fresh air of a movie. So I've never heard of uh, Bill Forsyth. I've never heard of any of his other movies either. I was reading up on him. Like, he did, like, some low-budget stuff, like, um, the behind-the-scenes stuff they were talking about. He did this movie called uh, Gregory's Girl, which apparently mm-hmm. was a big hit. And he went on to do this movie called Being Human with Robin Williams. Yeah, I have that. That's it. that's in my watch list. I must have <laughs> looked at this at some point and put it in my watch yeah. list. But. Apparently, from what I read, apparently that movie is awful. Because, um, from what I read, like, they made him, like, cut, like, 40 minutes out of the movie and, like, made him add narration. Mm-hmm. Which, like, anytime you have to add narration, just look at Blade Runner. Like. Yeah. Like, narrate. I couldn't make it through, like, the first five minutes of the Blade Runner that had the narration in it. It was just so fucking awful. So I'm kind of on. No, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His narration is terrible in that. Yeah, I'm on the fence about watching Being Human. Like, I want to see more of this guy's work, and I want to see Robin Williams. But I don't know. This. Well, it looks like. I mean, it's like. Yeah, it's low down on his list. Like Gregory's Girl, Housekeeping, and Comfort and Joy are all. Those these and local hero those seem to be like the four mm. that are on the. I thought Gregory's Girl was just okay, but I watched it before Local Hero, and several of my people that have seen it on Letterboxd gave it five stars, so it's Mm. clearly a thing people love. You didn't get it. I'd probably not. I'd be curious Mm -hmm. to try it. You might get it now. Yeah, you might. Yeah. You just might. I might. I mean, honestly, it's like the kind of thing where it's like... Having liked Local Hero so much, I would be maybe looking for the the good things in it. Mm. Whereas the first time I watched it, I, don't, I have no idea why I watched it, but I was just like, whatever. And yeah, probably probably wasn't looking close enough and didn't get it. I, I don't get things. I'm an idiot. Yeah, you suck. Um, suck. <laughs> <laughs> now you're the greatest. Come on. Uh, all right. Well, uh, you guys want to get into Finisterre? Sure. Finisterre also, uh, I guess the English title will be End of the Earth, mm. according to IMDb, is a 1929 silent film directed by Jean Epstein, who I don't know that I had heard of necessarily prior to this, uh, but I, I, I gotta tell you guys, I love this guy's picture on his letterbox page. <laughs> <laughs> with the cigarette, the profile with the cigarette. I mean, he yeah. looks a fucking so crazy and cool. Mm. Oh, I just want like a poster of that picture. Anyways, this is his uh, 1929 film about fishermen. Not fishermen. People who, uh, what do they do? They get to seaweed and they burn it <laughs> to create an ash that is mineral rich or something. Mm. Like and then they sell it. <laughs> seaweed harvesters? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it does call them fishermen in the synopsis. But anyways, they're stuck on an island, and uh, one of them 
uh, cuts his thumb on a piece of glass or on the knife. I thought it was the glass. On the piece of glass. Because, like, he takes it and kind of, like... He's, like, holding it in his hand, weirdly. Anyways, yeah, they're fighting over a bottle, and he cuts his finger somehow, and uh, he gets an infection, and the movie is about... Gotta rescue this guy. Gotta get him off this island and uh, get him to the doctor in Wasson. Or Wasson. I don't know how you say it, but it's some town, you know? Some French uh, French town. Or Swedish town. I'm not really sure where this is taking place either. It's just Brittany. That's, and that would be French. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah? Okay. But it's like, but they're wearing clo- like clogs, which is weird. Yeah. But I guess maybe, it's, are those French? I don't, I don't know. know. Island fashion. Thought, Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Well, the people on on the uh, on the mainland are wearing them too, so it's like the women are. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. What did you guys think of uh, Finisterre? The fuck? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what? You there? Yeah. What? I, uh, okay. I, I didn't have to watch this thing, but I did. You you uh. did. What'd you think of it? What uh, did you guys think of Finisterre? Sorry. I thought <laughs> okay. it was uh, I thought it was really cool. I and I might have been in like a very giving mood when I watched this, but I mm. I was I was it was kind of watching it just like astounded. Like sometimes you watch something and you're like, How is this a movie? And then sometimes you really watch something and you're like, How did someone have the idea to make this a movie? To like set a movie in this this world? It almost like it's so foreign to me that it almost felt like a, like ethnographic, and it's it's definitely not. This is fully fictional film, but uh, I just thought the setting and the conflict was was really cool just in itself, and uh, and then I think I was swayed by just how uh, pristine, uh, pristine the copy we were watching looked, looked and, and I just thought it was gorgeous, and I uh, was really enjoying it visually. Yeah, I agree that it looked amazing. And I think that not only did the copy, I mean the printer, the transfer or whatever looked great, the whatever they did for the restoration bang up job, but I think the some of the shots were really beautiful and uh just the way he frames things in certain scenes is incredible to me and and very modern looking at certain points like mm. some of his choices struck me as like very and not even modern like to now but modern to like maybe like the 80s or something like like <laughs> thing, like things Scorsese was doing in like the 80s it's a lot of like weird uh i don't know weird editing choices and things like the the whole sequence where um, they're talking, where it says that the 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 name of the island Bannock is being whispered, and then all of a sudden it's just like cutting to everybody's faces and people speaking to one another, and it keeps saying Bannock on the screen. That shit rocked, and all of the uh, the slow mo, like the sl- every time it went to slow mo, I was like, this whole movie could be in slow mo. It's <laughs> it's beautiful. The slow motion is amazing, and it's just like some of it's like. There's one shot where I made a note of it actually. Uh, he's like the one, the guy who's the friend of the fellow who is infected. He's got like a match and he puts it in his mouth in slow mo, and he's just like he's like thinking about what to do. But we're watching it in slow motion. 
Like, it just seemed like something like what? Like you, you would never see that. Like what? Like it's just like great. It somehow works perfectly. I don't know. I really enjoyed that, and um, I thought all the I don't know. I just thought all the slow mo stuff was really great, and I, I think it really worked well with the score. This score that was uh, I guess made more recently, but the mm. score was really fitting and brilliant. So I was I, the score. I was wondering about the scores, like you know, um, like I was wondering if it was the original because a lot of these kinds of movies, these kind of you know bleak black and white films, have these you know kind of no offense, but kind of same atonal things going on. Mm. Um. And not that it was bad, but it was just like, hmm. Like, I, I was more wondering, like, was this kind of the first of these movies to have that? Because, you know. Well, this is, uh, yeah, no, it says the score is from 03. Oh, okay. Robert Israel. I remember it said something about it at the beginning. Mm. Also. So. Well, I don't know, actually. Hang on, let me see. This is saying that he's... I don't know. I just re- I f- seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. It's from O three. Uh. Okay. Yeah. So it's a recent score, but I thought I just thought it really fit, and it like doesn't sound anything. It's not like you know where like Giorgio Moroder's score for uh, <laughs> Metropolis or something. You know, yeah. it's nothing that couldn't have existed at the time. And uh, I th- I just enjoyed like I really really enjoyed. It. I thought the uh, it gave a really appropriate sort of mood to the whole thing. Mm that fit really well with the sort of gorgeous photography. And I was wondering going into it, whether it was a dock or not. And obviously it's not a dock, mm. but I do feel like these guys are probably non actors. I mean, none of them have been cast in anything else. Like none of them have any other credits and they may have, they're probably, they probably are fishermen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, he, he probably just went and gra- grabbed fishermen and had them act in this film. I think that's actually what happened. Like, I think all yeah. these people are non-actors and, you know, like, you know, it's shot very documentary style. Uh, I found the intertitles frustrating because, like, I don't care about anything that the intertitles say. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I can gather what's going on in the film without them. So I found them really frustrating. And I felt like they, everything they came up, they were just, like, sort of distracting from some beautiful shot that I wanted to look at. Mm. How is there not a band named Bannock? Am I right? We could start one. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's like using the same, like using the font from one of those intertitles. Yeah. Bannock. <laughs> I could see that on a t-shirt. It'd be so cool. Hey, wanted- we could start one. We could start one, uh, Kevin, except you sold everything, bud. You don't have a base anymore, guy. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you had a base, believe me, I'd have things for you to do. Okay. <laughs> Is that recent? Uh, uh, New Year's Day was when I sold it, so. <laughs> New Year's Day, you were just like, fuck music. I'm out. No, no. I, it's a new year, no music. No, like, I, I, got, I got an upright base because a friend of mine was moving, and she had to get rid of stuff. So I ended up with a USB mic that didn't work. A laser disc player, which I sold on eBay, which 
I don't plan on ever doing again because it was a fucking kind of nightmare. Um, But I also ended up with an upright base for 500 bucks with a flight case. So I had it for a while and it's like, I originally got it because like, oh, I could take this, fix it up, make some money because, you know, living on one income is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then like, it, you know, it's sat around for a while and then I finally, finally got it fixed and finally sold it. Actually, thank, <laughs> thanks in large part to John. <laughs> I did turn, uh, turn on a, a buddy of mine to, uh, knew someone, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I would love to have anyway. an upright base again, but you know, I, I don't have room for it. You sold your electric base too, though, right? I still have a six string at, oh, at really? Blake's house. I don't know if it works or not. Do you have an amp? No. No. Okay. I I had an amp that got flooded in 2016, yeah. along with my oh, right. effects pedal, and the at least the jack of the bass went underwater. I don't know about the rest of the electronics. I've been meaning to go through and like. I mean, it needs new strings because, you know, they're at six years, no, seven years old at this point. Jesus Christ. Um, but, yeah, it's just not something I have time or really the inclination to fiddle with. Do you guys ever think about how fast time is going and how we're going to be dead soon? <laughs> like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, Funny you yeah. say that. Rammstein has a new album coming out this month called Zeit, and their yeah. first single from it, Zeit, like it's literally about how time is merciless and we all crave that perfect moment and want it to never end. And you know, yes. time, please stay back, please stay back. I'm not ready it's yet. Brutal, yeah. man. All right. Yeah. I think it's it's <laughs> fascinating. Some people like think about that and they think about you know, their mortality and they'll die. And, you know, then there are people like Viggo Mortensen in the movie Daylight who thinks about something like that and he's just like, <laughs> I'm going to seize the day and live forever or until I die in this tunnel. In five Didn't minutes. you like Daylight? I thought it was more fun than it should have been. <laughs> okay, yeah, I thought I thought you yeah. gave it a kind of a weirdly high rating. <laughs> I, like a three I, or the, something? The beginning when the, when like the tunnel blows up, like it's pretty brutal. Like it is that movie flirts with darkness that uh that I wish it it uh you know followed through on, but whatever. I haven't seen it. I think I saw it since the theater like in the theater, like when I was twelve or something. Mm. So I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember not liking it because it, I just remember it not being like you know, it's Sylvester Stallone. I was expecting him to somehow blow away people with a gun, and he never did. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't work for me, man. You know, him rappelling into a tunnel to help people—boring. <laughs> does, yeah. I mean, it's like a very formulaic disaster. Like there were even like shots of him like hanging from things that reminded me of like the Poseidon Adventure. I was like, oh. wow, they're they're really doing this. Uh, they have the the, the uh the sort of obligatory do they do they, I don't know if they do but it feels like a kind of movie where they would have the the scene where they all have to hold their breath and go underwater to to travel yeah, they absolutely, somewhere absolutely have that of course absolutely. of course <laughs> and uh, the dog 
the dog doesn't make it uh, <laughs> through that scene. But then, turns out it does. It's okay. Oh, nice. Okay. nice. dog shows up 20 that's, minutes later somehow. That's Hollywood for you. They can't kill the dog. Mm. No, they can't. Anyway, Finisterre is great. I liked it a lot. I almost gave it a four and a half, but the uh, the penultimate scene where they're waiting for the boat to come back, all the women are on the rocks waiting for the boat. I felt like it was really extended for no reason, and also it just seems like maybe it's a product of its time, but like that scene is a weird scene because we already know that they're fine and they're coming back. Because at that point, you already yeah. seen them contact each other and they did surgery on the hand and they're on their way back, so it's like there's no suspense or anything in that. And uh, I just feel like it's kind of a wasted scene. But other than that, I, I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed the thing. And I liked the the way he shows fog, how he like sort of degrades the film to show fog is a weird, I don't know. It's just like a, I don't know how else you would have done that back then, but it, it's really interesting. And uh, I really would like to watch more Epstein stuff. I don't know. Um, some of his shorts are on YouTube, so I'll probably get to those in the coming of, weeks i've got a lot of the silence in general on youtubes youtube <laughs> yeah on the youtubes yeah. on the youtubes <laughs> on the youtubes no you're See, right time I mean, I is a flat circle <laughs> most most times i mean most times i'll see if i see anything that's like super old i immediately go to youtube first looking yeah. for it but um yeah i know the this uh le, le temp stare is on there. That's what I was. I was going to watch this. It's twenty three minutes, mm. but I never got around to it. But I will because I really enjoyed ten, Finis Terre. I almost called it Tennis Ferry. Finis Say Ferris what? Finis Terre. So anyway, um, you guys want to get into our deep dive? Sure. Let's do it. I mean, it's only eleven. We could we could push this thing a little bit. Just kidding. Oh, um, <laughs> I gotta go to work tomorrow. Oh Jesus, dude! Sorry. I mean, I left out because um, normally this would be my like eleven day run, uh, but I have mm-hmm. today off for Good Friday and we're closed for Easter. So. Oh nice. Yeah, but I do have to show up for Saturday. So. Well, we. Uh, Watched It's Always Fair Weather, which is uh, JR's pick. Stanley Donan, Gene Kelly movie from the 1955. From the 1955. From 1955, starring Gene Kelly, Dan Daly, Sid Charisse, Dolores Gray, among others. And uh, this is a lavish Hollywood musical in the... I don't know. Is it fair to say this is from the heart of the lavish Hollywood musical era? Yeah, um, yeah. It is. And uh, this is, I will say, this might be my, one of the first of these kinds of films that I've seen. I mean, I've seen, like, Sound of Music uh, before, but I'm not, uh, this is not something that, ten years ago I would have never watched this. You couldn't have paid me to watch this. This is, uh, this movie's weird in a couple ways. I mean, first, it's a... I was talking about its structure with, uh, in comparing it to, uh, seeing in the rain a few minutes ago. Um, someone, a critic I follow in Letterboxd put this pretty well. He called it an episodic musical. He called seeing in the rain an episodic musical, which is like, there is a plot, but the plot is very much secondary to the musical sequences. Like 
the plot only serves to get us from like music sequence to music sequence and that plot usually doesn't matter um this movie kind of feels like it's really trying to to make the plot of that kind of musical matter a little bit more, but oh, okay. But, I thought. See, I thought I was uh, I was confused for a second. I thought you were talking about this movie, and I was like, I don't agree with that. No, at no, all. no, no. This no. is all plot. This movie is no, like tons. this. This, <laughs> yeah. this is it's working very hard to make the plot matter, uh, and, yeah. and then we have instances like the boxing gym where the uh, the musical sequence doesn't really seem to fit with the plot, uh, which this movie. Uh, it's a movie that I, that I think is really fascinating and I really like it, but I, I also think it's like uh, objectively flawed in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm curious what you guys thought about it. But it's, uh, you know, we got these three soldiers, uh, Gene Kelly, Dan Daly, and uh, choreographer Michael Kidd, who uh, did all the dance sequences for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, uh, who became uh, inseparable during the war. They, uh, they make this pact to stay friends. They immediately, like, don't waste a second and falling out of touch um <laughs> and then reunite 10 years later to just absolutely disastrous results comically disastrous results these these guys fucking hate each other uh and they all just put their their worst worst foot forward in this reunion scene but uh and then they somehow become part of just like this overly complicated like an angry satire of television and just like corporate 1950s america um <laughs> that is involves Sid Charisse and uh, like the advertising company that Dan Daly works for. It's uh it's really weird. Goes weird places. The mob gets involved too. It's a, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, mm. uh, but it has, it has some, it has what I would call some, some cool musical sequences, especially uh, the three guys at the beginning doing the trash can tap dance like that whole that whole number uh and uh we got sid Charisse famously uh putting on a, a green dress again in the uh in the boxing gym for uh for that little ditty but yeah uh what uh what'd you guys think i made you watch a musical you did indeed yeah. make us watch a musical i'm trying to f- I was trying to get my uh, notes to show up on my computer mm. screen, but I can't because they're only on my phone. They're not in the cloud. Mm. Um, well, my first note is that uh, Dan Daly, he looks about 10 years older than Gene Kelly, but he's actually three years younger. <laughs> and all these guys look way older than they are. I imagine they're supposed to be. But just because they're like, you know, because they're coming back from the war, I would imagine they're supposed to be like young men. Mm. Yeah, they, they, haven't got the really, they haven't got their lives together. They're not married. Like none of them have their anything going on, but they're all, they all look like they're in their forties because they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they're for the, they, they, they make more sense for the 10 years later. Sure. Section that makes up the majority of the movie. But yeah. Mm. But, um, I thought that this movie started really strong. I think that that opening, dance sequence is impressive and uh very interesting to watch and a lot of fun even though i do find aspects of it sort of cringy just from a perspective of like (laughs) just like 
when they start the trash can thing and like the one guy accidentally gets the thing on his shoe and the other guy like the other guy sees him is like oh cool i'll do that yeah. too it's just like i was so cringed out when that happened i was they're like just, oh, they're this such, is embarrassing they're such good friends and they're just mm, like they're really right. like sharing this kind of synergy <laughs> Uh, yeah exactly yeah. yeah but i found that whole sequence to be fairly good i really like the part where they were jumping in and out of the cab I thought that was cool a cool mm. idea and uh and i thought it was sort of funny how they like immediately like uh g kelly gets the gets the sort of dear john phone call and they immediately just he walks out of the bar and they just go get hammered like, yeah. <laughs> like they go to like five different bars like every bar drinking, and grill in talking town about it <laughs> Like good, good yeah. mood ruined instantly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, it's there. There's an economy here where it's like they they come back so like optimistic, uh, bright eyed bushy tail stuff, and it just takes like this one phone call to uh to like make the drinking destructive and uh you know introduce this sort of like. It's like a, a big Hollywood musical, a big budget Hollywood musical, but there is like this through line of darkness and sadness in this movie mm. uh, that is, I think, is introduced there. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, sure, there's a through line of sadness, but it's like, <laughs> it's not explored at all. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's not just explored like, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even even like Gene Kelly's like sad sack. I'm not as good as my friends. I didn't do anything with my life. I'm just a bum sort of thing. It's like, I don't know. It's I find it hard to swallow. Just be from the I, and 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 the way that he turns it all around at the end, where he's like like the scene when he's not to jump towards like the end, but like when he's in the uh, locker room or whatever with the boxer, and he just like hits him to knock him out, and they leave. I don't. I don't believe for a second he would do that. I don't understand why he did that. Like, I, it makes none of it makes any sense at that point. It just feels <laughs> like a plot device to get him out of the room well, and get him, get him to the TV show. He, you, know? you know. And if the manager can knock out the boxer, the boxer yeah. can't. Yeah, you got a big problem. Big problem. Yeah, I mean that's it's, it's. I don't know. So uh, there are points at which this movie is like too much about Kelly. The other guys disappear. Uh, Michael yes, Kidd that too. is hilariously absent for much of this. Oh, I agree. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I have he, a note about that. He describes like, you know, he mentions like spending the entire day with like the TV star that they're uh, like on whose program they're appearing at night. And I was like, oh, there's probably like half an hour of a movie that was just cut out because it wasn't <laughs> interesting or something. I don't know. Or they just needed to cut it for time. But yeah, the uh, the Kelly stuff. Yeah, his his arc is not. It's not well done enough. Like, yes, he's like rediscovering his integrity, or he wants to become, uh, an honest uh, guy again. And it like, it, it's kind of weird that he like finds that through like Sid Charisse, who is kind of conning or manipulating them, uh, and not through his friends this movie is ostensibly about but you know whatever yeah um he's also a creepy weirdo like the, uh, some of the <laughs> like some of the shit he says it's just like what woman is falling for any of this he's so bizarre mm. and I, he's just I, I never seen a gene kelly movie so he's just like really he's so different than what i was imagining he would be he's so much more of like a like a, I mean, in this film, like a New York guy with this accent and like, 
this sort of like street life thing that he's doing, like the the, the uh, dame over here, you know, like that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Is I did not expect that at all that, from this yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, the, he. This is a, a guy that he. This is like a sadder version of a guy that he definitely has played. I mean, on the town, the first musical that this group did, uh, they were all New York guys, and like Frank Sinatra was one of the friends this mm. movie according to wikipedia and imdb trivia was originally conceived as a sequel to on the town which i did not oh know yeah before. i read that mm, yeah. um and they said no let's not do that uh but you know he's done um he has other movies where he's sort of playing like this bullshit uh, musical version of some like gruff guy it's, that's not believable Mm. Uh, in real life at all it's only believable in musicals um, mm-hmm. or it's only it's a character that can only appear in things like musicals um, you know I don't know it's a this feels like like Guys and Dolls came out the same year and it's like was he mad that he didn't get to be in Guys and Dolls with uh, with Frank Sinatra so maybe uh, trying to pull the same thing <laughs> it's Guys and Dolls not guys and guys. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? No. We got a quote. We got a quote. Yeah. Um, also, okay, so, like, just, like, this is not, not to, like, nitpick this thing to death, but, like, the, like, he he's talking with the boxer at the beginning, and the boxer gets his wallet or whatever, and, like, he finds the, the part of the bill, you know, mm. and then he's like, hey, what's this thing? No, no, put that back. And then he's, like, uh, and he's, like, talking about the date, and he's like, that's today. And he goes, Oh, it is today. Like he forgot about the date. Like how did, how did he? He, yeah, he obviously he, knew that pe- he knew that bill was in his wallet. Mm. He knew immediately what that bill was when he saw it. He's like, no, oh, put that back. Like he's obviously like cared enough to keep that bill in his wallet for ten years. Right, he knows it's there, but he forgot about the date. Uh, uh, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't buy it for a second. Does let me let me see if I get any any bites here. Um, the Dan, the Dan Daly stuff, better or yeah. worse than Kelly? Because I, I, I know where I fall on that. I hate his, well, his musical sequence where he's drunk is one of my least favorite oh, things. In the, loved in the it. Movie. Okay, so yeah, we're on I don't like that. that. Yeah, I, I loved. Like uh, I love situation wise, and uh, I liked. I, I kind of just like drunk tall guy. It was like watching. <laughs> it was like watching like fucking Bill Walton. Uh, dance. Um, that's a basketball player, but uh, okay. <laughs> an old basketball player. Thank you. He's no, I, he's that's not my least favorite though musical sequence. What's your least favorite musical sequence? Um, I shouldn't have come. Probably the, the reunion, like in the in the restaurant. Uh, at the at the restaurant, that one is brutal. I because they're like singing in their minds. Yeah, the, the <laughs> I understand. Like I. I get the concept. I just like the way it's filmed is not like cinematic enough. And um, those silent complaints expressed in the song have already been expressed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like these yeah, guys it feels were like doing, exposition yeah, unnecessary. They were yeah. doing a good job of selling that they dislike each other already. I didn't need, the, you know, again, this is all to get to the songs though. And that's, that's the problem with it. If, uh, if you don't like the songs. Uh, what was your I, least favorite? My least favorite was the uh, one where they're they're smoking the cigarettes and they like it's like split screen. 
Do you remember this one? Yeah, like where, where there are three, three different, different locations. locations. Oh, I, yeah, I could. I hated that. That's insane that you hated that one. Okay, I hated. I could not stand <laughs> it. I hated the way it looked. I hated the song. I hated their little movement. Gene Kelly, especially up and smoke. I, I that drove me nuts. Like I was like, you gotta stop this, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I I liked the way it looked very much. I didn't love the song, and that's uh, that's also probably one reason this movie's not like remembered the way. I mean, there are a lot of re- reasons this movie isn't remembered the way Singing in the Rain is the most famous, like, movie musical, one of the most famous <laughs> movie musicals. Like, the songs themselves, like, aren't, like, there is no just, like, fucking banger of a song mm. on here, I don't think. Uh, Kevin, mm. did you watch this movie? Or, because we're, we're <laughs> not letting you talk, I'm sorry. Uh, my least favorite was the one in the gym, because I was like... <laughs> Why are we still here? Well, that's a good question. There is no reason for us to be there. Yeah, and and like you know, like she already proved in the cab that she can name boxers and she can recite their their boxing records. But you um, know what she didn't do in the cab? She didn't dance like that in the cab. Yeah, but, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, um, like the th- the thing. <laughs> one of the things about the movie that like. So it starts off, you know, we have this, you know, just beautiful, beautiful shots of, you know, like them coming home and them going to the bar and then like the dance through these like freaking amazing street sets. Like those things were freaking huge. Yeah. And uh, I have a note about the street sets later, but go okay. ahead. Um, Strand bookstore. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I get to it. I get to it. But, uh, it's it's good too. Okay. But yeah. Um. So like you know, then then they're back in the original bar. They make they make the pact, and then they leave, and then all of a sudden it goes to this fucking super shitty, super grainy yes. shot. That's like you know, like then it repeats the, and then at it, the end. Then too. it pulls out, and it's like it was like what the f- what the fuck happened like i wondered if my internet was going out cuz it's like all of a no. sudden it's like what the fuck no it's a garbage shot and it's an effect shot and that's why it yeah, looks like, that way. It's like you know, yeah like cuz you know yeah you got like the matte nasty... painting of uh, you know the exactly. elevated train in new york and whatever right um they do the same thing at the end too it's the exact same yes, shot at yes, the yes. end and it's gross like yeah. that too it's yeah. heinous looking i have a note about that too yeah it's disgusting uh how dare you, Jr. Pick this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but I mean, um, yeah, like I wasn't a big fan of like really any of the musical musical numbers. But I mean, you know, like I understand it's a musical. You know, it comes with the territory. Um, but yeah, like I I don't know, like. Um, like this is a movie that I would overall describe as it's fine. I, you know, aside from it's aside fine. from that, you know, that the shitty the sh- shitty you know pull away shot, like it's like okay, this is kind of you know it's the mid it's the mid fifties, it's Hollywood, it's a musical, it's Gene Kelly, it's like okay, this is all kind of par for the course as far as I can as far as I can see, um, and yeah, like nothing. Nothing was like super bad, but I wouldn't say anything was super good either. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, kinda... you know, I feel like um, 
the musical sequences, the problem with, I mean, my, my biggest problem, I'm sort of where Kevin is. Like, I think the movie is fine and it's not, sorry, JR, we're not going to be meeting your, uh, <laughs> your ridiculously high score on this one. But, but I think the biggest problem I had with it really was just the fact that like, obviously it's a musical. The musical sequences are the thing that you want to see. And there's really aren't that many of them. And the ones that they do have aren't terribly interesting. And there's like two that are like standouts in my opinion. Mm. And that's the opening one and the roller skating one. Yeah. Obviously the roller skating one is like, you know, that's the one, right? Mm. So it's, um, and I, and I think both of those are fascinating to watch and very entertaining and very impressive, uh, especially the roller skating. Mm. But, uh, outside of that, like, I don't, I don't know that I'm that, you know, intrigued by any of the sequences at all especially it's stuff like at the end where um what's her face now sid sharice is the love interest of gene kelly yeah okay so dolores gray is the blonde yes okay so dolores gray her like uh variety show thing when those guys are dancing and she's singing and all that shit when they're like hey uh so-and-so's coming out to sing for us i was like oh god and we actually have to watch her sing an entire number and i'm just like what are we doing like i don't want to see this this is the most boring shit i've ever seen i guess but yeah i've i've read that too i've read that in places where it's like it's satirizing tv of the time but like i don't know that it's that acerbic or biting in its in its critique i mean i'm not noticing i mean i don't know what the critique even is really except that it's vapid or something i guess that, i mean network television is just like a way to push products on americans oh, okay yeah it's just i could yeah i mean corporate it's just that's fair and when they showed some scenes from it where they're like sort of like the host is talking about the product like it's like i I guess I didn't read it as like super satirical because that's like, I've seen shows from back then and that's what they did. You know what I mean? Like they did push product, like the host would push a product in the yeah. middle of the show. It, they just cut to him, like holding up a box of something and he'd be like, this is the best product. Right. And I think, uh, Clinton's right. I mean, this is, I mean the fifties, like these massive movie studios are still just like movie studios. They're not, mm-hmm. they don't have like parent companies of giant multi, Right. Whatever corporations. Uh, so now, like, that satire wouldn't even make sense. But, I mean, I think they are, you know, this isn't like the, the movie TV culture war where movies are, for the first time, like, losing uh, ticket sales because they're convinced people are staying at home to watch television. And, you know, it's like, yes, that is what TV was doing. But, uh, you know, movie people fucking hate what TV was doing. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, it's not... Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that there was a sort of um, condescending attitude towards television at the time mm. from from the studios. But um, about the the roller skating scene, one, he steals the roller skates. I mean, <laughs> that's your hero, and he steals them. Come on, hey, why not? You know, he does acknowledge the accident, and he takes them off and runs. Presumably back to the place, but I don't. I don't actually know if he goes back. We don't see him he's, go back. He's full of shit. He went to it, <laughs> handed them to some kid or something. Also, um, the thing about the sets was that during that scene, you'll notice there are no seams in the sidewalk, and there are no cracks anywhere on anything. No, nope, because that of course, fallen. Exactly. Yeah. But it's it does stand out a little bit when he's roller skating on these sidewalks that are also impossibly huge. They feel like they're way bigger than the actual sidewalks in New York city. Maybe they were bigger back then. I don't know, but they're like enormous and, and they have no seams at all in them. And they're like, 
pure white. You know, <laughs> like he's just he's flying over them. Yeah. But you know, it's a good scene. I don't I don't think anybody's paying attention to that necessarily. So except you. Well, <laughs> I, uh, and also I, I one one other th- one other thing that was uh, very very distracting for a moment in that scene. I've heard this song before. Where have I heard it? Do you guys know? No. The Lorax. No. Oh. <laughs> it's the movie. This movie, It's Always Fair Weather, is the film that Leon goes to see by himself in The Professional. Oh, shit. Oh. And he's watching that scene. Wow. This no has been a that. most unusual day. I Like, right when he said that, I was like, oh, fuck, I've seen this in The Professional. <laughs> like, yeah. So... Uh. And he's got that great. I actually went and looked at the scene from the professional after too, because it's Jean Reno is so good. He's like he's got this like kid like glee when he's watching it. You know, he's like Jr. is when he's watching the movie. Well, <laughs> yeah, same thing. I, I admit, I admit, like you guys' reactions to this don't disappoint me at all. Um, in this, like, of course, I, I I made us watch this. I want you to like it, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't remember how much this movie is like a. Like all the things that I think make it unique and interesting have to do with having seen a fuck ton of musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it's not really that weird of a movie. It's just weird if you know the way that musicals are at this moment, which, uh, which I do. Not that I'm like some like crazy musical nerd, but I, I've seen a lot of them and uh, I've grown up with them, as I made clear earlier. Um, I want to get back to the, the plot for a minute. You know, we're talking about like all the mm. TV satire stuff, and uh, like Citrice's plan here, like she works for the same company that Dan Daly does. Uh, they Daly sees his boss just like by chance uh, at this restaurant that he takes uh, the group to eat at, where they have the the song that they sing in their heads. Um, <laughs> and then he make, and then uh, Gene Kelly makes that really gross attempt to pick her up when he says, "I'm a." What does he say? Like I'm a, I'm a some kind of little boy too, or something. <laughs> like, it's uh, such a creepy. I wrote it down, but I might have deleted it already. But yeah, he's he. Yeah, I deleted. It. He said, but he says something like, like she orders some kind of food. Oh, she orders her steak like medium rare, and he's like, I'm a medium rare little boy too. <laughs> Ooh, it's boy. Such a creepy, creepy I pickup was, line. By the way, the no, it's a one of them gets their steak well done. Who gets the steak well done? Not cool. Not cool. Whichever one that was. It would have been. It's. It would have been. It wouldn't have been the uh, the tall guy because he was all like, he was a dick about everything. Yeah. He probably ordered his like rare. Yeah. I hope it's. I just. I hope it's not the guy. It's gotta be Gene Kelly. It's gotta be Gene Kelly because he's like the uncouth one, yeah. right? They, well, but they they think that Michael Kidd's a hick also. But, mm. uh, but he owns a restaurant, but, right? So, but he does like hamburgers. I don't know. But it would still be know. gross if, but whatever. Uh, not important, right? So, so Citrice works for this uh, TV program for this advertising company, and uh, realizes these guys have this reunion, and part of this TV show is like audience interaction, where like she pulls people from the audience and does like a segment on them. It's bizarre to me makes no sense uh to me someone who did not watch tv in the 50s um mm. and she she is <laughs> such a uh she's made a plan is that a, is that a dig at me no no what no for saying that i saw a scene in a tv show from <laughs> no, the 50s no. where they were doing that no these like <laughs> like i don't know if these variety 
shows were like doing audience interaction every night. Like that's or that's fucking crazy to me. Um, especially the way what it took to orchestrate this, like to well the hidden them. cameras. Like it's absurd yeah. that they would have hidden cameras mm. that would be any kind of quality that you could put on TV yeah. at this time. Yeah. They want to they want to put this reunion on television, not realizing that these three do not like each other, uh, and this is a bad idea. And, uh, and they want to make it a surprise, which yeah. is insane. Like, Worse why idea. would you make it a surprise? Just talk it's, to them first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and there's a lot of... I love, like, Sid Charisse at one point, right before it happens, is like, I started to tell you about the broadcast. It's silly and I'm sick of it. And it's like, Sid, you built this bullshit. Like, this is all you. <laughs> yeah. And even once she knows that he's, like, on the run from the mob, she's, like, not going to tell... Like, you don't put a guy on the run from a mob on live television uh, yeah. because the mob might show up to the studio and <laughs> that's going to create a giant brawl on television. And that's what TV producers want anyway. So, uh, that the is what the they day, want. TV, TV wins. They got the brawl. I don't know that they wanted that then though. In the fifties, I don't know that they would have been like super psyched to have a, an actual fist fight break out on the uh, set of the show. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the fight is like strangely brutal. <laughs> Like, it's really, it's kind of extended, and, like, they really, I mean, they beat the shit out of each other. Like, there's chairs breaking over people's heads and stuff, and they're (laughs) constantly slamming into tables and furniture. This, uh... It's pretty intense. I I do think the brawl leads to, like, the sort of emotional moment that I think works best. Like, in the wake of this brawl, of this violence, these three are, like, able to bond again and talk to each other. Mm. And I... What a shock. Mm. I mean, I thought. I, I don't even know if the movie's like aware of. It's of this, not. But like, yeah, the <laughs> fact not. that they're like became friends in a war zone and like yeah. mm. their their friendship was based on this like violent conflict. And uh, I have a note on that too. And that's uh, I think I think uh, I like the movie was aware it. of that. And <laughs> they, no, no, no. I I think that's awesome. But the movie doesn't understand that, and therefore I give it no credit. Yeah, mm. that's. That. That's totally if fair because I am yeah. also quite certain that the TV does the the, the TV the movie does not know what happened. <laughs> right, I think it's a it's it would be like a brilliant commentary on masculine friendships or something. You know, it could be. Yeah. But it's like they don't have any idea what they're doing there. That's just a coincidence. You know, it's yeah. like a it's just a way to end the movie and then it works. And but yeah, it would have been great if that was. I, I would have given this movie a lot but more yeah, uh, they, a lot higher rating. Yeah, it's like they, they have they have the friends to part without any like future plans. Like they, it's aware that the movie is aware that they're like sending it's sending them on their separate ways. They're not going to meet again. I think, mm-hmm. I think the movie has that sort of like bittersweet ending down. It understands that. Yeah, it doesn't fair. understand mm-hmm. the friendship though. Yeah, it feels like they're uh, they're they've. They grew apart and then they they come back together, but there's no like sort of pie in the sky aspiration of remaining friends or anything. Like we're not gonna hang out or like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they just they've learned something about themselves, mm. which is uh, typical. Uh, yes, I will say the movie looks great, except for those two shots that we talked about. Yeah. Um, I think it looks really nice, and apparently Gene Kelly did not want to shoot in Cinemascope. But I think it looks great in Cinemascope. I don't know what it probably yeah. was. Yeah, I, that was weird. And um, that uh, that Seven Brides for Seven Brothers movie was in Cinemascope. Cinemascope. Um, and also looks great. 
I think it really works well for the dance sequences, mm. especially for the roller skating one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, I didn't hate the movie or anything. I just, there was too many, I like, I think, I think you're exactly right. I think if, you know, if you're coming at it from a perspective of like, this is unlike other musicals or it's doing things differently and it's refreshing in some way. <clears throat> Cause I mean, I didn't, I didn't go in it, into it thinking I would dislike it and it started strong for me. I was enjoying it. You know, you have to sort of be in a head space where you're okay with people moving in unison a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like not even during the dance sequences. Yeah. Like when they first walk into the bar and they just jump onto the counter. It's just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Every, That's fine. Everything is blocked. Everything is choreographed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they're very, that especially during that first sequence, they're doing like these weird, they're doing some like ballet stuff in, in the beginning when they first step out of the bar and they're drunk. Mm. And it's, yeah, I thought that was, it was strange because it's like, you know, they're not, like, they're not playing ballet dancers, but they're they're doing, like, ballet moves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, the one guy does, like, a pirouette, you know? Uh, the uh, the guy who plays Angie. And I was just, I don't know, it was just really, it was, it was kind of cool to see. Mm. But, anyways, uh, I'm out of notes on this one. Mm-hmm. Ratings? I will watch uh, Singing in the Rain at some point. Because it's in, it's on Criterion. Yeah, mm. it's and easy I, to watch. I really in HBO Max. Um, right. It really is so much better. Like everything <laughs> about it is a half star better. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like I don't know. No, I'm just I, kidding. That's just that's I get it. It I is the it. it's thing. the best musical. It's the best. And hold on, you you saw it's the best musical. Yeah, it, I think it's like the best. Oh. Musical. Okay. Like my I favorite. Know, I have to watch it. Soon. My favorite musical is The Umbrellas of, of Cherbourg, uh, but that is. You just said this is the best, though. Yeah, so. the, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg is. That's like every. It's like one of those. Every. Every word of dialogue is song deal, and it's. Oh. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I know. I know. It's I'm on not, my Criterion Challenge, so now I'm really bummed out. <laughs> it's a. Uh, pretty sure it's on mine i mean it's, too. it's the movie that la la land just ripped off like wholesale oh no hmm. but la la land doesn't have that operatic thing going on no oh it okay but anyways i mean i i'm gonna watch it i actually rewatched the first uh the opening uh musical scene from spielberg's uh west side story <coughs> i showed nicole cool and uh i it rocks <laughs> i wanted to rewatch the whole movie i love that opening scene i don't yeah. know but uh, I made me want to watch the original, which is also on HBO Max. So I might check that out. Too. Sure, Robert Wise. Yeah. Anyways, ratings. Oh, and the rating you saw of mine that was pre pre rewatch, pre rewatch. Mm. Of Fairweather. Yeah. It's, oh, it's like I, so you you're going down? I am gonna go down. Yeah. Oh. Go down. Oh my. Oh. To what? A four? Uh, close. Four point two five. <laughs> going, going down point two five because so I, I, I do still love it, and uh, if it's four point two five, I can I can still justify having that uh, gold star next to it. Okay, uh, are you doing a heart? Oh yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you doing the? Uh, are you going? Are you going to put four and a half? Or are you going to put four? No, I think I am going to put four. I'm going to okay. have it at four. I see. All right, Kevin. Uh, three. I'm also going three. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Look, respectable. All right. Respectable. 
Sure. I, I ain't mad. <laughs> okay, so now this is not going to be fun for the listeners, mm. but I'm just going to go ahead and uh, send you guys my score. We're to this this week. We're not going to use uh, letterboxed roulette. We're not playing letterboxed roulette. Uh, the typical way. We're not using the film's stars to dictate. Uh, sometimes uh, what we're. <laughs> sometimes one person wins so much that the others get jealous uh-huh. and change the rules. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, anyways, uh, yeah, we're going to uh, share our scores on Box Office Ga dot me Box Office Game, mm. <laughs> and um, whoever has the highest score is going to win. So the okay. uh, way the game works is uh, it's a Wordle style game where you're like guessing movies for a. Uh, one weekend of box office results and this weekend is December 1st 2017 and there are clues that you can unlock basically sacrifice points for and uh, and I've already lost I've already lost yeah you you your score sucks I had a rough, <laughs> I had a rough one Kevin did you play yet I'm playing now. I thought I thought that was what we were going to do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think we were going to play on the show cuz like what fun would that be for anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I just played earlier. Like, and I just, well, you know, my bad. Kevin's I, uh, playing the game right now. I'm glad I didn't say anything about who the, yeah, who, what, which movies are which. Uh, I thought the again though. I thought the directors gave it away on this one. Oh uh, yeah. Simply, I did something very dumb that uh, I can reveal once Kevin. It's okay. Thing. I can I can uh, I can cut all this out if Kevin. <laughs> you take your time, Kevin. It's not right. real. What? I'm gonna have to uh, get on top of uh, watching some more musicals. I might watch Umbrellas of Cherbourg soon, and then watch Singing in the Rain as like a add-on. You know? Yeah. Four, no, three. Almost gave it a four. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here we go. Yeah, I mean, I JR, are you going to watch uh, Tokyo Vice? I am, yeah. I just I haven't uh, haven't really watched anything besides like the Lakers show. <laughs> oh, that one with John C. Riley? Yeah, which... Oh, I think Kevin must have won. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck off, dude. Are you serious? How does how did you do that? 2017 was a year I paid a lot of attention to yeah. because of this podcast. Yeah. Guys, so, uh, so one of these one of these movies was uh, Thor Ragnarok, uh-huh. and my dumbass, like I saw the hammer clue, and I was like, I have no like did Thor come out in 2017? And then I clicked the director clue, and it was Taika. Yeah. And so of course I put in a guess Thor: Love and Thunder, which is a movie that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> what? I don't know not- why. It doesn't even have a trailer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that, I that's, it was right. that's not why I lost. But oh, okay. I thought the same thing, though. I saw the tagline, and I was like, what the fuck is that? And then it was Taika Waititi. I was like, oh, it's Thor. Yeah. Ragnarok. Dude, that I, movie that I've never seen. I struggled <laughs> with both uh, Coco and Daddy's Home. Well. Right. Like I just watched Coco one, recently. Wonder. So Wonder. You guys got Wonder? Yeah, like, what? what the f- As soon as I saw wonder. the director, I knew it was Wonder. Me too. I that's had, the only thing that, like, I was like, I was like, 
oh, I, I said immediately, I was like, oh, that's the guy who wrote uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, he directed another movie? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He also directed uh, Rent, the musical. Right. Wow. Which sucks. Yeah. I think he mm. might have directed the uh, Dear Evan Hansen musical that Bob He did. Also. He did that, too. Actually, that was between those. I was thinking about Evan Hansen and wonder and i was like i don't know which one is from 2017 i was like i don't know <laughs> it was owen Dude, wilson that, came get, out that like made that six, for me Dear and heaven came out like six months ago right did they come I out honestly i don't know did it i, I came I know, out like in september of 2021 oh, i mean i okay. didn't see it so i don't have any idea yeah. i didn't either Apparently i saw bad. the trailer for it but yeah. i have no it's all that kind of shit like if it's shit i'm not interested in it just fades into the ether it could be any t- it could be anyone you know, yeah any yeah time. yeah this is 2021 premiered at toronto anyway uh (laughs) all right well uh looks like uh kevin gets the the week off here dude for once uh, in like three years i I really i really shat the the bet on this one we gotta gotta get back to the how many movies have you seen from a star um so the number is uh 2732 mm. and uh, I'm almost there for our letterboxed roulette list 2732 the movie that we'll be watching is The Last Prom from 1980 uh, it's only 24 minutes long it's uh, like prom this? night teenage drivers and alcohol oh no I don't know what this is. It's like a horror movie this that's like from, terrifying uh, you to not drink. This is from the badmovies.org best B-movies list. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah. This guy has two different movies called The Last Prom, and one is from 1954 and one is from 1980. Hmm. Which is strange. Well, what do we think? Does this uh, Does this qualify? Or is it too much of a short, too slight uh that's a great question i don't know i don't know the answer to that it is on youtube it says it's a united states ephemeral film warning teens about drunk driving it's honestly it seems really boring and pointless yeah let's not do this okay i'm good let's Let's, yeah i'll I'll generate another number yeah one of the one of the letterbox reviews says the last prom is a 16 millimeter classroom scare film that traumatized teens across the country through the 80s shot in ohio but could easily have originated in stephen king's fictitious town of castle rock previously made in 54 and 72 Haunted remake by writer-director McPherson combines the melodramatic camp of the Shangri-Las I Can Never Go Home Anymore with the moody vibe of the house on Sorority Row and a ghastly climax. uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I just have the next film, the actual film we're going to watch. And it's, it's, uh, I don't think uh, JR's going to have a problem with this one. (laughs) This is Singing in the Rain? It's number 2079. And it's almost famous, Cameron Crowe's uh, uh, biographical. I think that's just outside of our length limit. Is it's two hours long? It's two but hours it's and only, two minutes. It's only two hours long. Yeah. Why did I think that was two and a half? Uh, yeah. You gave it a five star review. You don't want to watch this? <laughs> I do. Well, I mean, actually, I don't because I don't want to find out that it's not a five star movie. But uh, yeah. I think it'll hold up. I mean, I've seen this 
probably half a dozen times, and I've liked it every this time. This was so. a yeah. This is a huge, huge movie for uh, for the friend group in high school. We were all, you know, really earnest musicians. So this was just fucking catnip. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, it's got a uh, Michael Angarano. Yeah. Oh, he plays young William. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I could. Re- I remember that now. He's in. Uh, he's in Minx. HBO Max. Oh, original. is he? Mm. Have you been watching that? I did watch six episodes of Minx. Look at that. I, I've been watching anything because I've been trying to do other things. <laughs> you watch fucking six episodes of Minx? Well, I only watched one of those since we recorded last. Is there a, as much dick as they say in that show? Probably more. Yeah, there's a lot of dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, though? It's Yeah, it's funny. I, I think Jay right. Johnson is funny. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that guy. He was in. Uh, I watched. Uh, I was. I was. I watched part of the uh, the Mummy the other day, like the opening scene of the Mummy, and he's in it with Tom Cruise. He's okay. like Tom Cruise's buddy. I'm not oh. blaming the Mummy <laughs> on Jake Johnson, but I mean, it didn't look like a like a horribly unentertaining movie or anything. I was just like, this guy's kind of a goofball. Mm. Eh? I don't know. I mean, he, yeah, but I, uh, I I enjoy him, and the the cast is good, and it's. As like the as the show's gone on, it's actually like gotten like more just like traditional sitcomy, but with dicks and like it's not perfect or anything. It's not, but with it's dicks. not great, but it's it's been enjoyable. Okay. All right, uh, Kevin, it's your pick next time. What do you got for us? So next time we are going to be watching Lady Hawk from 1985, oh, directed shit. by Richard Donner, no, and shit. yeah. So this this one would be an easy return to the old roulette because we got Matthew Broderick, Rucker Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Alfred Molina, John Wood, and Leo McKern mm, as the top six. So okay, yeah, that's good. This is good. I've never seen this. Mm. I like Donner. Yep, I'm in. And I right. believe the I mean, soundtrack is was a good done pick by too, Alan Parsons. Huh? So. Oh, nice. I'm surprised it took you so long to pick this one, man. You've seen this before? <laughs> yeah, like a long time ago. Just because Jar and I haven't seen this, and you have. Yeah. This is a good pick. We've, and this will be the second Donner movie covered on this podcast, right? What was the first Didn't one? Did we do Maverick? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, do yeah, Maverick. and I chose yeah, yeah. that one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Your second Donner pick. Did this guy, uh, the Stuart Baird, uh, edited this? Oh, he's a um, director also, but also mm. but a uh, he directed Star Trek Nemesis. Oh yeah, <laughs> and U.S. Marshals. But um, he's also edited a bunch of James Bond movies and shit. He's he's good. This is uh, yeah. I'm all right. I'm in. I'm in. All right. All the way. All right. Not that we have a choice, um, but I'm also well. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's like it's nice when they pick something that you actually want to watch, unlike you know uh, some lavish Hollywood musical from the fucking fifties. Okay. The last thing that Kevin made you watch was <laughs> the fucking Keanu Reeves movie. So that's true. That was worse. <laughs> and you made us watch that miserable movie. Excuse me. All my movies are awesome. All my picks are great. Um. Okay. Well. So we'll be watching Lady Hawk for next time. And uh, until then, we really appreciate you listening to our podcast. Visit our website, filmyakpodcast.com. 
you can write to us at filmiacpodcast at gmail.com although i've completely forgotten the password and cannot log into that account for the last week or so so i'm not sure uh if i'm gonna get those emails Mm. (laughs) there might be emails there already that i haven't read but um you know you can contact us on our facebook page also or on our instagram at filmiac podcast and until next time thank you for listening bye I would never bring up Joseph Gordon-Levitt on purpose. Michelle has has an avicious. <laughs>